Good morning. It's always exciting to be here at First Assembly. It was actually ordained here 29 years ago. District Conference, Jack Keyes, District Executive. Ordination is, it's that sending us out. And 29 years later, we're back. And uh, just excited what's happening here. And you know, as uh, we were praying and as I was seeking the Lord, um, I was actually painting my fence this week. We've got a fence, uh, our property, and um, it's got this alleyway. So like, I think my fence is like 156 feet long. So I'm, I'm painting fence for two days, and I'm just, you know, and I'm listening to my iPod or my iPad, whatever this is. I'm listening to my phone, <laughs> to a podcast, and I've been listening to a message, and I'm just trying to get some things in my heart. Uh, we're really shifting in our ministry to the families in Canada, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but um, the Lord just kind of gave me a word, and I believe that it's a word for this church, uh, because I believe that First Assembly is, uh, is an apostolic church. And the reason that it's apostolic, it was the first Pentecostal church, uh, one of the first Pentecostal churches in Canada, but it was also the first Pentecostal church in this city. And this church is apostolic in that it has planted many churches. It has planted many ministries like, uh, and partnered with people like Connie, and they've, they've partnered with uh, the Dream Center, and they've, they've launched Master's Academy. They're, they're, a, they're an apostolic church in the sense that they're, they're launching apostolic ministries that are changing the world. And I, I just really believe that, that, that God wants to launch you as an apostolic family to begin to minister to families in Canada and starting right with your own family and then families uh, in our city. And the Lord just kind of gave me this word. I, I listened to this one message probably five times, but this, every time I listen, this verse out of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7 says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels, makes his angels winds and his ministers as fire, as flames of fire. Where did wind and fire first come together in the early church. It was in the book of Acts in chapter 2. And it says that the church was fasting and praying. They were seeking the Father, and they're saying, Father, we need, we need an outpouring. We need you. And Jesus had commanded them to wait for 50 days. And so they're waiting. And I don't know if they fasted the whole 50 days, but there was, there was fasting and prayer, and they're seeking after the Father. And on the 50th day, the Father heard their prayers, and he heard their cries, and he released the angels, and they released wind and fire on the church. Can somebody say amen? You see, wind and fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming to empower us so that we can live in a pure life, but also to give us fire so that we can reach the, our city and to reach families with the gospel. And I really believe that as we come to this Pentecost, and I know that probably Pastor Ben's going to be preaching on Acts chapter 2, and they're going to be preaching about that on Pentecost Sunday. But I'm, I'm asking you as a congregation, take some time to fast. Take some time to pray. Take some time to just seek after the Father and come prepared on Pentecost Sunday because I believe that wind and fire are going to come, that God is going to release wind and fire. You know what fasting and prayer does? Fasting is saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to eat desirable things right now. I'm not going to have that desirable steak dinner. I'm not going to have that, that thing right now. I, I, I'm, t- I'm not going to do that. And, and in the book of Daniel, Daniel said, hey, I, I fasted from desirable foods. And then a few minutes later, a few chapters down in the, in the book, a few verses down, uh, the, the angel of the Lord is sent. And the angel says to Daniel, you who are greatly beloved, the same word that's used for desirable, the father said to Daniel, you're desirable. And I want you to know this morning that every one of you are desirable. Every one of those 
Hip-hop kids, they're desirable. The father desires a generation. He desires a generation in Calgary. And I think First Assembly Church is poised to launch, to reach what we've termed maybe an undesirable generation, but God says they're desirable to me. And if you begin to just fast and pray and wait for the Spirit to come, he is going to launch you to reach families in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Annette and I um, are excited to be here today. As I said, I was ordained here 29 years ago. We've lived in Calgary for the past 25 years. We pastored in different places around the country. Uh, We pastored New Life Community Church for 13 years, and Connie was in our church, and uh, her parents, and uh, a lot of Claire and her parents were, and a lot of others, and it's just great. Um, But 10 years ago, the father said, I want to launch you to reach families in Canada and to help families, to help marriages. And it was on my daughter's birthday, Cassie Ann's birthday. She was uh, 16. And um, so it was 10 years ago. And uh, we had had a blessing time for Cassie Ann. And uh, we, had, we had just kind of spoken words of blessing over her and had this night of blessing for her life. And I, I went into my office. And Pastor Ben, the Lord just said to me in almost an audible voice, he said, Neil, you're done. He says, I've got a new assignment for you. And I went to Ken Solbrecken, our district superintendent, and I talked with our family, and I talked with the leadership, and, and uh, we resigned at the church, and, and the Father sent us, and he sent us to the nations. Sent us to the nations, and, and even as Mike was singing, as, as the worship team was singing this morning, the Asian, the, there's fire in Asia right now. There, there's fire that's happening in Asia. We were ministering in Malaysia just a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, the pastor, uh, there was a pastor there from the underground church in China. We had pastors and we had leaders from uh, Malaysia, that's, uh, which is a Muslim country, and uh, there's a fire that's happening, and the fire and the restoration is of the Father heart of God, and families are being restored. And I really just believe that that's what God is doing in these last days, that we have seen the revival of the Holy Spirit. We've seen the Jesus movement. We've seen the Holy Spirit. That in the last days, Malachi chapter 6 says, or 4 verse 6 says, that in the last days, it says, I'm going to pour my spirit upon your sons and your daughters. I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the father. And right now, we are seeing that happen literally around the world. And that this next great revival is going to be a revival of the Father heart of God where we're going to see families restored and a generation raised up that's going to take the mountains of this, of this city and of our planet. Can somebody say amen? I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Because I believe that God wants to, to launch you today. He wants to send you to the families. He wants to send you to the hip-hops. He wants to send you to a broken, undesirable generation. But God says they're desirable. It says, Now in the church of Antioch, where there was prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So while they were worshiping the Lord... And I'm telling you, First Assembly, there's incredible worship here. I, I could see that Connie could barely contain herself. You know, she's, she's got the moves. When I start moving like that, it's embarrassing. But when Connie moves like that, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing. You know, she thinks she's old. I'm an old man, and old white guys can't jump. So you don't just, you know, they can't dance either. Uh, but it says, while well, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. See, there's that fasting. Fasting 
It's not that you're not desirable, but when you fast, you're not taking the desirable things and it, and it attracts the Father's attention. It attracts the Father's attention. It, it sees, he sees you're desiring after him and he turns his heart to you and he turned his heart to them. And it, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, They placed their hands on them and sent them out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that that is working even here right now. And Lord, we just pray, Father, for just your Holy Spirit, God, just to speak to each one of us what you want us to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says that they laid hands on them and sent them out. And that word sent is the word in the Greek apostolos. And the word apostolos means the sent ones. And in the context of the day, we're, we need to understand that, we, that uh, it is the Roman Empire is in control of most of the then known worlds. And it had been called the, the, um, the Paxus Romo, which really meant the 200 years of peace. If you just study uh, history of the world, you'll see that this was a relatively peaceful time in the world. But every time there would be a, a, an insurrection or there would be a group of people that would start to rise up against the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire came with force and the Caesar would use this word apostolos and he would send his generals, he would send his admirals, and he would send his armies, and he would send his navies to squelch every rebellion in the kingdom. So that is the context of the word. It's, it's the context of military terminology that, that when the apostles uh, Paul, uh, Barnabas and Paul are being sent out, they're being sent out to invade, occupy, and transform the culture. And I believe that that same Holy Spirit that sent those disciples, sent those apostles, and every one of us in the little a, not the function of apostolos, but every one of us is apostolic, and that God is sending us to reach the world. And you see, apostles are strategic. Apostles are strategic. And there was a leader that God used 300 years before the Roman Empire, before the Apostle Paul. And his name was Alexander. And Alexander means ruler of the world. In fact, 10, 20 cities were actually named after him as he conquered them. He ruled the world by the year 323 BC and reportedly wept when he conquered the last part of the nation of India. And some say that he died of a broken heart at the age of 33. His father was Philip the Great. Philip the Great founded the city that we know as Philippi today, where the book of Philippians and where the gospel was planted 2,000 years ago. And Philip the Great had gathered the city-states of Greece, Athens, Spartans, Philippi, Corinth. He, he, He gathered them all together because the Persian Empire at the time was ruling the world. The Persian Empire, as prophesied in the book of Daniel, would be the first great kingdom, but there would be another kingdom that would come after it, and that kingdom would be the Greek, the Greco-Roman kingdom. And so what we see here is that Philip the Great, he planned to, to, to attack and to get rid of the army, to get rid of the oppression that they had, and that he would fight them off. So he invited the 10 kings of the 10 city-states of Greece to be there. 
And as he did that, he unveiled all the statues of all the Greek gods, and then there was another statue of himself, and he says, I am God. I am a God, and we will go out and we will conquer the Persians. Well, the other 10 Greek kings weren't too happy about that. In fact, they had him assassinated because they just said, this guy is kind of arrogant. But his son, his name was Alexander. Now, Alexander was 16 years of age, and he commanded the cavalry of the, Philipp- of the Philippi army. And the cavalry was a, was, a, was a horse brigade of 3,000 men and their horses. And he felt that after he had the burial, and Annette and I had the privilege of going there in 2014, we went to Greece and we saw the burial grounds of Philip the Great, said to be one of the, the seven great wonders of the world and one of the greatest tombs that they've ever found of one of the kings. And he spent time and he honored his father, but after he was done, he wanted to honor his father by actually pushing out the Persian kingdom and pushing out the Persian empire. So he invited the 10 kings back and he said to them, he said, I am going to go, and we're going to go, and we're going to conquer. We're going to push out the Persians. And so he rallied the kings, and they were with him. And before they went, they had seven days of feasting and seven days of sacrifice to the Greek gods. And as they sacrificed, and as they were on the seventh night, Alexander had a vision. He had a vision. He had a vision of a man dressed in white linen garment with a gold breastplate and 12 stones. And the man told him that he would go and defeat the Persians and conquer the world, that he should go with confidence in the morning because the Lord would give him the battle. And so the next day, he went out with his army, going with this confidence that he had had this vision. And he had a strategy. And what he did is he divided his army. He only had 35,000 men. He was the leader of the cavalry. There was 3,000 in the cavalry. So he took 30,000 of his men and he put them in the rocky crags. The Persians had an army between 200,000 and 1 million, depending on the history books that you read. But they were vastly outnumbered. But on the rocky terrain, uh, he felt that they would be able to have a better chance in the battle. And so the king of Persia put most of his troops to go into those rocky, get them backed up against the mountain, and there they would defeat Alexander the Great in this army. But what they didn't know is that Alexander the Great put his cavalry into a troop and into a diamond shape, and he went straight for the Persian king, Darius, that you read about in the Bible. He went straight to the Persian king, and as he came to that Persian king, the army split around, and the Persian king ran, and the whole army was defeated in one day, a million men. And uh, Darius was assassinated, and... Alexander the Great conscripted a million-man army and went out and conquered the then-known world. But there's something that we need to know, that God was in this because he was establishing and setting things up for the kingdom of God to be established 300 years later. You see, Alexander the Great's strategy to rule the world was to establish a beachhead in every nation, conquer the key cities, and then establishing colonies of Greek culture by sending 200 families to establish culture. Greek culture in every one of the cities and nations that they, that they conquered. So he replaced the previous culture by immersion in Greek culture and society. And so what they did is that because um, Alexander the Great was actually trained by Aristotle, who was the greatest philosopher of the, Greco, of the, of the Greeks, and then he was trained by Socrates, who was trained by Plato, and the foundation of Greek philosophy is that there must be an unknown God 
that is good. Because all of their gods were evil. They were bad. They were the gods of war, the gods of love, the gods of this, the gods of that. And they always seemed to bring destruction. And that's why you wanted to appease them. And then they said there must be an unknown God that is good. And in the book of Acts, Paul goes to Mars Hill. And there in Mars Hill, he goes up there. We've been there. And he, re, he, he, he says a little speech that's uh, just a two minutes long. And he says, I have seen all of your gods. And I've seen that you are very religious people. But I want you to know that there is an unknown God. And the Bible tells us that all through the book of Acts, that Paul would then go to first, this was in Athens, and he would preach first to the Jews, and they would usually kind of tell him, you get lost, you know, we're not interested, and a few would get converted. But then it says the Greeks, many of them got saved. Why? Because they had been, they had this Greek mindset that there must be a good God. See, God planted a seed in the culture, and the then known world all spoke one language, Greek. The Bible was written in that language. Paul spoke that language and went to many places in the world. The language that is spoken in most places around the world today is English. Uh, we were just in Singapore and Malaysia. We didn't have, need translators because uh, English is a fairly universal language. Pastor, we just got back from Estonia, and uh, what language were you able to, to teach him? In English. So you, there was some translation, but a lot of people spoke English. And so that, that's what we need to understand. And so they would, uh, because he loved Greek culture, he would, he would establish Greek language, Greek customs, Greek government, Greek business, Greek arts and entertainment. Let me just stop there for a moment. Greek arts and entertainment, uh, we're still influenced by some of that Greek culture thinking today 2,000 years later. There's a thought of the Olympics. Has anybody heard of the Olympics? That was a Greek thought. That was a Greek idea. Uh, backing up into, into government, they, the philosophy of Plato uh, and Socrates was a thing called democracy, where we get our thinking about democracy. And in Athens was the first demo, democratic city in the world. And I don't have time to go into how, they, how they, democracy worked in Athens. Um, but it, it actually ruled in Rome, even when the Caesar, he would be the ultimate king, the ultimate authority, but he would have to go to the Republic, and he would have to go to, uh, to, the, to the council. Remember, he would have to go to that. So that was the beginnings of these things, and, and God was establishing something. But let me, before we see how the Apostle Paul was guided by the Holy Spirit in the same thing, just take you to Alexander the Great when he's going into Jerusalem to conquer Israel. As would be the case, he would bring in his army, and he probably didn't have a million, probably only need 200,000, you know, just bring in 200,000 men, you know, we got legions, bring them all in, set up all their war machinery, you know, the big catapults and their towers and their, and their arrows and all that stuff, setting it all up. And before they would attack a city, there would be an emissary that would come out from the city. And the emissary that uh, came out from Jerusalem was wearing a white garment with a gold breastplate and 12 stones. It was the high priest of Israel. And Alexander recognized that this priest represented the God that had said that he would rule the world. Because God has his purposes. God is in control. He, he guides and he establishes kingdoms. Now, he doesn't establish the brutality of Alexander the Great, but he used that kingdom and those principles to establish a place where the Apostle Paul could then go and he could establish transformation in the world. 
So now we fast forward 300 years and we're in the book of Acts. And the Apostle Paul is led by the Holy Spirit. He is thwarted from going to Asia and he goes to Macedonia because there's the Macedonian call. Why go to Macedonia? Because he's listening to the voice of the Spirit because there is a people in the Greek culture that are already prepared to hear the gospel and thousands of people are converted to Christ. And the Apostle Paul's strategy, led by the Holy Spirit, was to first establish a beachhead in, in a nation, and that was to go to key cities. I believe that Calgary is a key city in our nation. I believe that there is a prophetic destiny for Canada that we are called to rise up again and that, we're gonna, that our nation is, is to be a dominion under God. In 1863, uh, as they were at the founders of Confederation, we're 150 years of age today, just coming this year. But Samuel Tilley, who was the, the premier of New Brunswick, when he was coming, um, doing his devotions before their meeting with John A. MacDonald and all the premiers from, from Upper and Lower Canada to establish Canada as a nation, he read from the Psalms that this would be a dominion from sea to sea. Can somebody say amen? You see, Canada was established as a dominion. And a dominion is a theocracy. It's a democracy, I mean, under God. That's, that's what dominion means. We are a democracy under God. The, the rule of God has been the foundation of our nation. And right now our politicians and our, and, our, and our worldview is pushing us away from the foundations that we believe in. So how do we change it? God's giving us a strategy. God is giving us a strategy. We need to, we need to replace the previous culture that is influencing our society right now. For the last 40 years, a culture of humanism has embedded and brainwashed and, and kind of shifted the values of our culture and our society. The way that we win the battle back is that we need to raise up a new generation that will establish what the Apostle Paul established. We need to establish kingdom language, kingdom education, kingdom philosophy. What our young people need is they need a Christian worldview because they're receiving 25 million messages before they reach the age of 12 that's giving them a worldview that is secular, that says there is no God, that says that, you know, this is what you're to eat, this is how you're to look, this is, this is what you're to believe, this is who you're to accept. That's a worldview that's being placed upon our children. And my grandson, you know, he's, he's being raised up in that kind of era. And we need to raise up and train up a generation that has a kingdom philosophy. Can somebody say amen? We need a Christian worldview. We need, to have, we need to influence kingdom government. We need people that will rise up and help Christian leaders to, become, uh, to get into power, to get into politics, to become the mayor of this city, to uh, become the next prime minister, the next premier. We need people that will get involved in politics that will understand the things of the kingdom. And the same in business and commerce. You know, Alberta. I, 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 I've grown up here most of my life in Alberta. And, and this, the reason that this, this province is blessed more than all other provinces, I believe, is because the foundation of our promises, of our, of our society and our government was on the Word of God. Preston Manning's father and William, uh, you know, they, they were Bible preachers. They were the premiers of Alberta in the 30s and the 40s. And, and, uh, and Lougheed and others they built. Even Ralph Klein, who was Jewish, built our, our province on the thing that we don't need to be in debt. We need to pay as we go. And, and, and that was built on biblical principles. And when we abandon biblical principles and we've seen these things happen, we've got to get Christian leaders that will say, these are the values that we believe. These are the things that need to happen. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. 
kingdom arts and entertainment, kingdom medicine, kingdom religion, but the, the cornerstone, the foundation is the family. If we don't win the family mountain, we lose them all. If we don't win the family mountain, we lose them all. And God has called us to raise up an army in Canada. God is calling you to raise up and become apostles, sent ones to the families of our city. And I believe that God wants to do that in our nation. And God has given us a strategy where we're believing, excuse me, where we want to set up um, 10 apostolic training centers called Family Dream Institutes that will be an online place where parents and leaders can learn how to have a philosophy and learn how to raise up the next generation to have strong marriages and to do those things. And then we want to partner with those apostolic churches in those apostolic regions to to see the family restored and then to see that next generation reach the other seven mountains. Right across Canada, Prince Edward Island, Charlottetown, Ottawa, Montreal, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Victoria, we want to see this happen in every city in our nation, and I believe it's starting right here, Pastor. Can somebody say amen? But before community transformation, there's three keys. There's three keys to community transformation. The first thing is, are we desperate? Are we desperate? The second key is, are we prepared? There's a preparation stage. And the third key is invitation. And so that first key, before any visitation, there must be desperation. You know, Before the Allied forces could go to Normandy and take back that ground, there had to be a desperate strategy that the Allied forces said, we're willing to go in and we're willing to take Normandy because unless we take Normandy, we will never win the battle. They were desperate. Are we desperate for families? Are we desperate for these undesirable, broken generation? Are we desperate for them? Are we desperate for our own families? Are we desperate for our own grandkids? If we're desperate, that's the first, it's that first thing, it's the desperation. And you know, if you're desperate, you need to be out for prayer tonight. Because what happens in prayer, what happens in prayer is that we're, we're calling forth the angels to send wind and fire upon this church to empower us, to equip us, and to transform and change a generation that the love of the Father is going to go and going to bring transformation. Can somebody say amen? And then the second key is preparation. Preparation, there are things that will hinder the visitation of God, and one of those things is broken relationships, the breakdown of marriage and families. So the enemy is no fool. He knows that if he can destroy and he can break down the family, that he will win the battle. But when we can send 200 families from First Assembly out of here and you go as apostles, you go as sent ones to begin to transform your family and transform families in our city, 200 families can change a city. A key city like Calgary. The third key is invitation. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And again, just calling you to come out tonight. You know, how long is the prayer meeting? An hour and a half, two hours? Yeah. So come on out. They're going to have some worship. They're going to have some times of prayer. It's a time to intercede. It's a time to say, hey, we're desperate. We're inviting you, Father, to come. We're inviting you to come into this place. It says, when the disciples had fasted and prayed, and when they had prayed and fasted, the Lord, uh, uh, they, they, they had this feeling that they were to lay hands on them and send them out. 
And, and I believe that that's going to happen in this church, that God is, is going to, those that are hungry, those that are thirsty, those that are willing to fast and pray, that, that the leadership of this church will lay hands on you and send you out, and we will see communities of transformation birthed all over this city. But how do we do it? We've got to establish a spiritual beachhead. That's what happens in prayer tonight. You've got to establish the beachhead. I was watching a documentary last night after, or on Sunday night after Anna Green Gables. We were watching the Anna Green Gables show and then the, this documentary on Canada. And the documentary on Canada was talking about Canada's influence in World War II and World War I, how we became a nation. And um, it's a great documentary. But one of the things that they showed in there is that when they took Normandy, it was the Canadians that led the charge. And there was over 2,500 casualties, uh, Canadians that were killed. Over 10,000 were wounded and died in that, in that war. 6,300 Americans, 2,700 British, 2,500 Canadians dead because they were willing to pay the price for families and for freedom. Are you willing to pay the price for families and freedom? The church, I believe, we are called to be the sent ones, that in fervent united prayer that we're going to invite the Father to come and to pour out his spirit on our sons and our daughters. And that in these last days that we're going to see revival like we've never seen before. And so after that, that, that beachhead, we need to have the occupation stage. It's not enough just to have prayer meetings. I believe in prayer meetings, Pastor. And the, and the Lord is going to send the ministering spirits of wind and fire that are going to come upon this church and to come upon the people. Because you can't do it without wind and fire. You can't do it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when you have wind and fire, then you begin to occupy. And the, the occupation stage, if you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, They won back one farm at a time, one village at a time, one town at a time, one city at a time until they came to France and France was liberated and the war ended. We need to occupy. And and the way that we occupy is we create a culture of blessing. We begin to transform people. We begin to transform society as we begin to reach out and touch a lost generation. What they need is more mamas. (laughs) with the Father heart of God. They need more fathers with the Father heart of God. You just hold on to those kids and just say, we love you unconditionally. You know, I couldn't do that in my own strength. But I remember just praying for a girl a few months ago. She was a waitress in a Swiss chalet restaurant. Everybody, my kids know I love Swiss chalet. <laughs> and she's got some tattoos and some earrings and she's hurting. And I just said, how can we pray for you? She says, well, I only get two shifts a week. I've got a little boy. I can't make ends meet. Would you pray for me? And I never met her before, and I just kind of just came down, and I just looked her in the eyes, and I said, you know what? You're precious. You're valuable. And the Father loves you. And right there, I just let the Father's love just touch her, and she came to church Sunday morning. You know, that's, that's what this generation needs. They don't need our judgment. They need our blessing. And when we bless them, it opens their hearts to receive because they want the father hearts of this place. And your pastor, Ben and Heather, they've got the father heart and mother heart. They're together, that they're reflecting that in this church and that this church is a family. This church is a place where you can receive a transformation. And so what we're saying as a family, what can you do? You can begin to just pray together as a couple. We taught the couples to do that yesterday how to pray together. And uh, the question I was going to ask you, Pastor Ben, did you do it? (laughs) That's what we're asking every one of the 45 couples around here, did you do it? Because when you pray together as a couple, something shifts in the spiritual realm. And then the second thing is just to have a family meal once a week together. 
you know, just if it's just you and your spouse or just you or you're a single, invite some people over and just have a family meal and, and let's talk and let's pray and let's seek the kingdom of God. And then have those critical times of blessing in a child's life. Missionaries to the family. And what about the single parent and the single mom? God says he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God. In his holy dwelling, God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing. You know, I kind of noticed that there are some lonely people in the church here. You might feel isolated and you might feel a little different and I want you to know right now that the Father says you're loved. You're desirable to me. You're desirable to me. You're desirable. I love you. I love you. And God has put you in this family at First Assembly because he loves you. You're desirable to him. And he wants you to just start to experience his love and experience his blessing. And then he says, I want to apostolo you. I want to send you. I want to send you first to your family because that's where it starts. Just to spend time with your family, to spend time praying with your spouse if you're married and and to invite your family to come and have a blessing time and have a family meal and and to just have the kingdom of God come there. In the community uh, groups that they're trying to get started here at First Assembly, they're not, it's about relationship and about seeing the kingdom and inviting your neighbors to come. And then he's going to send you to the city and he's going to send you to the nation. I just believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking right now to every one of you in this room, whether you're a single person, whether you're married, whether you're grandma or grandpa. God is calling you. He's sending you to the family. This morning, if you feel like that's what God's calling you to do, that he is sending you. I'm going to ask you to stand all over this place. And I just want to pray a blessing over you as we close this service today. That's what God is calling you to do. He's sending you to the family, your family first, then to the community, then to the nation. Just stand. You know, Father loves you so much. When my grandkids were little, you know, they just said, up, Grandpa, you know, they said, pick me up. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Father right now? Just lift your hands and just begin to just begin to embrace. Let him embrace you. Let just drink in the love of the Father. Just drink it in right now. Father, I bless this church, Lord, today. Lord, I bless every man, every woman, every father, every mother, every child, every young adult, every single person right now. And Father, we commission them, Father. We apostolo them, Lord, to send them to their family to send them to their family and let the love of the Father flow through them to their children, to their moms and their dads, to their to their nieces and nephews, Lord, to the family, God. Lord, we release them and we bless them today, Father. Father, I just see, Lord, a, I just see a nation, Lord, of families, Lord, being turned back to you. And so, Father, I bless this group today, Lord. And, Father, we just call upon you, Lord, even as, as Connie said, Lord, for the prodigal sons and the prodigal daughters. Lord, we call upon and we break the orphan spirit that is over Canada right now. Lord, we are no longer orphans. We are sons and daughters. And so, Father, we just call forth every son and daughter, Lord, every young person, every young adult in this place, oh God, we call them back to you, Jesus. And, Father, we release your blessing upon them today. Raise up spiritual moms and dads. So, Father, we just bless them right now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.